everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I don't want to do the intro. You do it. <laughs> Heck. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Movie Overlord podcast, where we will be discussing 100 oh. movies, films, cinema works of art, cinematic works of art, beep, beep, boop, boop. Uh, from a trip to La Luna, to Parasite. <laughs> I just keep overthinking. <laughs> oh yeah, you need to make the I intro. No things. Wow. I feel. I just like get start overthinking it, and then it's all bad. But uh, yeah. that's the that's the gist yeah, of it. And everything uh-huh. in the fuck Woody Allen. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. All, all all the interstitial tissue that is there that no one really cares it about. It is Parasito. Oh my I was God. right. Of course <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. Parasito. Cool, cool, cool. Good shit. Okay. Oh, well, although, welcome. okay, if there is a Spanish dub of Parasite mm-hmm. when we get there. I mean, there is probably. We need to watch it. Maybe. With French subtitles. <laughs> that is my oh, caveat. Okay. Spanish dub, French subtitles, South <laughs> Korean classic. And we cool. just we just piece it together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I think I I mean honestly we've happened. seen it enough times probably between a couple us. times. Yes. Yeah. Good things. Um but yeah, welcome to our weird little like movie book club thing that we do Wahoo. every week and yeah. sometimes multiple times in a week and sometimes it's been about 7 days and we've recorded four episodes and sometimes it's not the case because really what we all know is that we actually are recording every time you're listening to it we do it live yep. each person yeah. who presses play we have to start over again it's very frustrating very tired it's okay we the temporal wormhole <laughs> technology is so expensive yeah. but we do it for you we do it for the people even with different guest hosts it's very it's very confusing especially when we add another host in or guest host oh. because then we have to it's be true. talking it, it man it's, it's sometimes a mess. we're all free and sometimes we're not <laughs> yeah if we get any bigger honestly i don't know how we'll be able to do this um it's, it's gonna be we impossible can't have, we can't really manage that many concurrent listeners i am so tired i haven't slept in weeks and we only have five people who listen <laughs> <laughs> they all live in different time zones across the world it's, it's, it's obnoxious it's horrible yeah once um, I put on an episode for fun in the background, just say, "Oh, what does my voice sound like?" I and then forgot you had again. To talk and, yeah. and oh, uh, such a headache! It's so hard to edit when you're also like recording. You're it. Recording the episode, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's 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 a, it's a. I don't know how Hunter, Hunter does it. I, I honestly don't. And I hate having to play the Not theme well. song poorly every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just get you get your whatever that weird keyboard thing with the mouth nozzle is that's oh, the instrument yeah. that we play it on of course oh, i love that thing it's I great i can't remember what it is but jacob collier has those at all of his concerts actually he doesn't he never brings one to his concerts but someone always gives it to him yeah it's so good yeah I love it. yeah people in the audience bring them because they know he's gonna ask every mm. time interesting yeah yeah it's cool um anyway my name is uh I guess I, mm, uh, tofu baby, mm-hmm. tofu baby, very nice. <laughs> what What are Ooh. your guys' names? Make that your Twitter name. Yeah, tofu baby. Each that burps the tofu baby. No, hi, my name is Aiden. I'm. Sorry, were you gonna say something? Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just thought like some other word started to come out of you, and then I started talking, so you stopped, and so I was like, oh. 
<laughs> this has happened to me in every single Sorry. one of my Zoom calls recently. Uh, People yeah. being like, I thought you were going to keep talking. I'm like, I, my brain stopped working, and I'm assuming my mouth stopped working too. <laughs> But apparently there was some disconnect. I'm sorry. That's okay. (laughs) I'm Hunter. I'm here. I'm okay. And this week we are palindromeless. There are no palindromes. They have ceased to exist in this timeline. For now. For now. Sad times. Because our palindrome is in a pinnacle production of peak perfection. (laughs) And it is uh, of utmost importance that... You know the palindrome, uh, palindromes. That's is it, so. Are, are, you, are you alliterating palindromes? Is that what's happening? No, I'm not. My brain's not nearly at that level. I'm just saying words that start with P until someone says something about 400 blows, and then I can make a bad pun about how 400 blows, and you can all get angry with me for not liking classic french cinema uh, and it will be fine a, a very good movie it's a good movie it happens every time i watch one i'm like okay yes of course if i like this movie there's definitely going to be somebody on the podcast that's like it was boring i couldn't get into it it wasn't yeah. boring i it just felt like it was sucking the soul out of my body like a dementor from oh. the uh, the franchise of which we do not speak mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. written by she who must not be named wow. yeah you know Good times. Uh, no, it's for me. It's actually one of my favorite things we've watched so far. I had a very good time with it. Intriguing. Um, I, I mean, I could see it. I'm a French New Wave basic bitch. I'm into it. <sighs> what? I'm very excited for Clear from five to seven. If you look back at the list and see the things that we end up actually covering, I'm looking. I, there's a little bit disproportionate French New Wave love. It's a little disproportionate. I like Agnes Varda. I've liked everything I've seen from her. She's great. She's um, good. I haven't even seen any of her supposedly great stuff. I've seen just weird outliers that people are like, you saw oh, yeah, she court and uh, what? Yeah, isn't that what it's called? What? Lapointe Court. Oh, okay, yeah. So we saw her first one, Lapointe Court, and then I also saw the Love Lost Lions, I think, which is just a bunch of like just hippies chilling. For for a while, hmm. um, a lot of weird decisions, and then uh, Jane V. Para Agnes uh, V. Uh, what? Yeah, it's a it's a documentary about a French actress. It's really good. I was mm. surprised. I thoroughly loved that movie, and uh, Francois Truffaut. It's good. Not my it's dude. Good. He's he's good. again. We're going to talk about movies and people you like one day. We really Again, will. Uh, someday. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, we, we already covered your favorite movie. <laughs> That's true. Well, I, I, okay. So that was the first movie I ever loved. I have I have no ability to rank movies. Right. Same. I'm I, still just I love that movie. movie. No, it doesn't work for me as well as it did nope. uh, upon first watch. No, it's your favorite. You have to, you have to stick to it. <sighs> it's Sorry. to me, actually. It is. Uh, Hunter's favorite movie will always be Lady Bird. He's not allowed to change it or th- reconsider it or think about <laughs> it. You will always like that one, and I um I get to choose. I get to I get to bounce around. Oh, okay. Um, but that's just you know that's my special power. Um, you the tofu baby is born anew powers. every week. It's true. <laughs> so I get to change it. This week, my favorite movie is um. Let me pick one. Oh, hold on, just a second. Uh, my favorite movie this week 
is Multiple Maniacs. What? You haven't even seen Multiple Maniacs. Why? It's you haven't seen any John Waters. Nope. What is? <laughs> what? What is this bit? This is this is Tofu Baby's favorite movie this week. Okay. Yep. Okay. See, I. Th- I think that our pro- our podcast has a bit of a problem getting a bit bit heavy, where we just go off on <laughs> no, bits no. and they just trail off. Disagree. And then we don't talk about false. the movies. False. We don't Absolutely talk about false. the four hundred blows. I mean, I don't even to my kneecaps no? that were incurred over this week's watching period. I, d- I did watch this film, and then I watched it with a Criterion commentary to try and understand the artistic merits beyond the fact that I I felt dead inside when watching it. <laughs> well, I felt I mean, very alive. It's kind of a movie about a bunch of bad things happening. So I I have seen a lot of movies about a bunch of bad things happening. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, I have seen and Worst actually things. kind of enjoyed Sallow or the 120 oh, Days yeah. of Sodom. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Pasolini. We don't have any Pasolini on our list, which is fine because he's not that important. It but would I be kind of hard love to Pasolini. Uh, if we did do one, uh, it would be the Decameron IMO, but we're not going to do it. Um, we should just watch okay. that. Is that, oh, that movie's so horny. We can do it. Uh, okay, so here's my thought. My thought is, you know, once we... I was thinking about this actually while we were watching the 400 Plus because of having so much fun with it. And I was like, I want to watch more things like this, but uh, we don't have an excuse to. I was thinking, well, you know, hey, maybe we're still having a good time when we wrap this up. And then we just kind of become maybe a classic movie podcast. Or, or we could just start a second podcast. Or we just start a second podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we we can just abandon this failed project no, that no, nobody's no. going to listen That's to. Not no. No. This no. is too good. Meaning they okay. would run concurrently. No, and then I'm starting, you know, much. Anna and I have talked about doing a Shakespeare oh, yeah. adaptation yeah. podcast. I don't know how people would feel about it. I, I'm looking forward to it, especially after how much I did not like uh, the adaptation of Hamlet that I watched, the Bronner mm-hmm. one, because it was so long. If you could... Yep. That's a... Uh, genre it's a podcast full of long movies oh. that are of varying qualities of watchability <laughs> but hey there's some orson wells in there and there's some yeah. kurosawa and stuff so it's fun if you could do like a mcelroy thing and just like the make McElroy's. your live make your living off of just doing like 10 different podcasts would you do it um I don't think that's a. I mean that's not even a question that's like that's the dream right there <laughs> that is that the perfect. dream <laughs> Uh, uh, the amount of stuff that they collectively have under their belt is wild. It uh, is bonkers. If we had so much stuff, but nobody else can do that but them. Right. So it's like it's not yeah. really an option anyway. Yeah, I know. What we I'm just saying. need a tragic uh, snuff up on our like casual comedic energy. <laughs> yeah. Like just casually be absolutely <laughs> hilarious all the time. The problem is even people that have really good chemistry and sound really good. Mm. and just everything about their podcast are good. I listen to s- several people like that. Mm. I mean, man, they don't got any money. They don't They don't make mm. shit. Mm. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah. It's so hard to find podcasts. You have to, <sighs> you have to have been like Joe Rogan or the McElroy's or something. Like you have to have already done that. 
There's not a lot of discoverability. Or gotten shouted out by one of those people. Ooh. Yeah, but even Perhaps. then, that just gets you a mm. following. Like, there, yeah. very few people make their living off of this. Yeah. And those that do, do pretty well. But nobody uh, else does it, so. Yeah. Well, no one makes a living nowadays anyways. We're all making a dying. <laughs> Everyone's poor. Everybody's uh, making a dying. Yeah. We're all going through our own 400 blows. Yeah. As authoritarian power structures fun. slowly tear down our self-worth and ability to function within society. And then we, until we are finally able to run free into the ocean and get, get, get overwhelmed by the vast emptiness in front of us. Wow, deep. Oh, God. You know what it makes me think of, though? What does it make you think uh, of? It, it, leaves, it leaves me pondering... Um, like maybe it's not so bad after all because like there's something very energetic and and like aesthetic about slaps and both of these movies existing under crappy authoritarian situations feature a lot of very entertaining slaps they do <laughs> the second movie that's being. the upside the uh i mean yes, the one that we're covering next okay yes. okay so do you do you know this want to hear some facts <laughs> i know some facts because i watched things and read things about this movie all right give me the facts do it uh this movie was shot without sound and it was all dubbed in later whoa yeah there the entirety of the 400 blows the entirety of the Holy 400 blows it was one done for cost effectiveness because lugging around sound equipment was very expensive and two uh, Truffaut was a fan of American films dubbed in French, and he's like, "Yeah, no, you can just do that. Like, it's not a big deal." <laughs> wow. And it, I mean, he made it work. Like, a, yeah, uh, mainly because so most of the actors dubbed their own lines and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but a couple of the lines were just dubbed by him and his friends. Yeah, that's crazy. It sounds I like something you do at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd probably probably be a lot harder to notice for us, yeah. but and then you can like totally hide things, like when they do those like panning shots across the classroom. Yeah. To make room for the camera, they had to like they had production assistants just like ripping desks away as in, as from the path of the camera, and then putting them back after the camera moved, mm. just as the movement was happening. And you can't hear any of that clamor sound because there was no sound being recorded. Okay, yeah, that was in my notes. Was just like, oh my gosh, the camera movements! Holy crap, all the time, so many camera movements. <sighs> They're good. I specifically the camera movement from, and this is a very small detail, but like when it's it goes outside to the name of the school. And then just pans down to like follow the kids on. Yeah, the that's well, my favorite one. Okay, so that's not the far. name of the school. That's like a, the classic, like uh, the paternity fraternity. Um, okay, like the, it's, the, it's the, the motto. The, uh, mm. the, it's the classic like French saying, which okay. is in this case ironic because all of the traditional like French structures that people believe in all fail this kid over the course <laughs> of the. Gotcha. The play. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. I didn't pay attention to that, obviously. I didn't I either, fun. but some film critics did, and I read their stuff. Lucky yeah. <laughs> also, one thing I thought was particularly interesting was there's a building in the background that you see a few times, and the name on it is Jean Rejoir. And it, I just kept thinking it was Jean Renoir, and I thought it was funny. Nice. And I figured it probably wasn't some kind of reference. However, it also could be because he's very... There's you know, some stuff. Noir. Like, uh, there are pieces of graffiti in the background that are just names of uh, some of the Truffaut's mm -hmm. famous f favorite authors. 
So that's the thing. Okay, that's what I did some of my reading on is a little bit on Francois Truffaut's background, right? Because people Mm -hmm. probably know him as the director, you know, influential in the French New Wave, etc. But that was a bit later in life for him. I Mm. mean, not significantly later in life, but he had a... He was well well known before this. He is... Uh, he was a very well-known critic, um, somewhat in, inter, uh, instrumental in a, a lot of the development of film theory that happened in, in the kind of the boom of the 60s, um, you know, knew All a lot of key shit. players. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he, he went, he would go to Cannes. Uh, he was one of the mm-hmm. significant critics that would be invited to Cannes. And then at one point he decided, like, you know, Cannes is st- stupid, <laughs> fuck the, mm-hmm. these guys, you know, oh. their vision of film is whatever. And then they... Uh, like kicked him, like they 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 did not like invite him back to Cannes. So like he 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 was a controversial enough figure anyway. What he said mattered, um, mm. etc. Uh, I I found it particularly mm. interesting just because I've been you know working on my thesis. Whatever he at the beginning of the movie says that it's um, dedicated to uh, Andre Bazin, mm. who I was like yeah. oh. That I I've I've read his stuff. Mm. Um, he wrote a little bit on Kurosawa that I used for for my thesis. Yep. Mm. Um, He's a fairly important dude. Fairly important, mm. uh, to say the least. He took uh, Truffaut under his wing, um, like in very significant ways for for a lot of his life. Um, even even pre him becoming a critic, he was you know just very instrumental mm. in his life. And he actually died um, on, I think, yeah on the night that they began shooting this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Which is rough. <sighs> ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so, <clears throat> the backstory to this film being somewhat autobiographical mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find the story of Francois Truffaut more inspiring than like watching the film itself Mm. myself because he ah it's one of those stories where you're like oh yeah someone can like start off not doing much and just kind of like figure their life out and i feel that because i have no idea what i'm doing and i am terrified that i'm going to die alone as a useless husk and then you you read like Truffaut's like oh yeah so my parents uh didn't care about me at all and uh because the war was happening at the time the school that I was at couldn't really tell if people were not getting there because their house was bombed or because like they were skipping class so I just snuck into theaters with friends and watched movies all day for most of my youth and we tried to start a movie club but we couldn't get the movies that we promised that we were going to show so we just showed whatever movies they had on hand and people got real pissed and then my dad found out about it and sent me off to a military school mm-hmm. and then i left and just kind of like lived around with my friends and stuff and it's the like this the part of the movie where they like steal a typewriter at one point, Truffaut and his friend stole a typewriter to sell it, and it didn't go badly like it did in the the movie. Uh, they were they were actually able to hawk the typewriter, but nice. well, at this no, wait, here it says he was caught. 
um, and forging payslips to keep the the, the mm. cinema group going. Um, well, he yeah. then took to, took to the police station where he requested that his son be placed in a reform school for delinquents. He spent three months there, most of the time in solitary confinement. Uh, yeah. Bazin didn't have the ability to help him in this situation, I guess. Hmm. Um, no. Rough. The, what, there was the whole thing with his... His friend went to try and visit him a couple times, but his dad specifically said not to let him in. And so at the end, when like our 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 good protagonist's friend comes to say, "Hey, you can't," they don't give him his present, and it's sad. Sad times. Mm. No, I don't know. It's it's good. I, I it's another one of those things of uh, well, one it's another autobiographical movie. I feel like we we've talked about. I well, think a few that are, are inspired by... Yeah. It's semi-autobiographical. So. He was very yeah. clear about the fact that it wasn't actually autobiographical, right. but he was trying to just capture the the feeling of that specific turning point in a child's life. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, that uh, childhood um, identity, like, crisis. I, I, as, I, I think the psychological term is, uh, like juvenile uh, identity crisis Mm -hmm. when puberty hits and you start growing more distant from your parents' views and you have an urge to become independent and all of these things are coming around in your life and it creates a big change. And a lot of the time parents forget that that's a thing that happens Mm -hmm. and do stuff like send their children off to a military school or something because they think that they're just a bad apple that can't be fixed, even though it's like they're, they're going through a developmental phase that psychologists and educators are aware of. And it for most kids, it doesn't tend to last forever until they are removed from their support network and they have to fall back on outside constructed support networks mostly full of people who want to exploit them or don't know what they're doing and stuff like that and so just Hmm. just the way if you abandon your children and disregard their problem it's almost like it makes it worse and you you don't actually help them whack right yeah the thing that stood out to me about the whole thing is just like is this kid being a little shit Yes. Is he surrounded by people who are not helping? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's not great. They're all like, oh my God, I just tried to beat him into submission and he won't listen. It's like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a fucking cheese. <laughs> well, I can't believe kids suck so bad. Wow. <laughs> so incidentally, one of the things that made it really hard for me to connect with the character is that he isn't a proactive character. He's a reactive character. He's always reacting mm-hmm. to the environment, which is being used to comment on the environment he's within. Mm-hmm. But all of the decisions and things he's making are kind of snowballing from outside of his control, which is thematically good, but also... Uh, I find it difficult to connect with reactive characters as mm-hmm. much because they don't have that sort of um, like narrative agency. This is very far. French New Wave is very far removed from like 
Hollywood three act structure storytelling. And that's why I really like the French New Wave. I Which mean, I, I, I like a lot of those I, films too. Yeah, I love a lot of those films, and the French New Wave. I I like the idea of taking the elements of like cinema verite and then mixing them with uh, like cinema artistry, as it so eloquently was put in one of the commentaries tracks that I listened to. But that idea of taking this uh, desire for total like realism and then mixing it and making it more powerful by adding elements of 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 lies, you know, like one of those the most famous um, quotes from uh, I think it was Jean Luc Godard. Um, the every photograph is truth. And cinema is truth at uh, 24 frames per second, <laughs> but every cut is a lie. Yeah, and so there's that was like that was like Bazin's big thing too. Mm. Totally, like his whole movement was just like like kind of being counter to all of the people who were like, film is really cool because you can distort reality with it, with editing and the physical film. Like, there's all these mm -hmm. cool things you can do to like do something different. And then with people like him being just like, no. It needs to just reflect the world as clearly as possible, and you've got to just be, you know, minimal editing. Like, just let the audience mm. do their own thing with it. Yeah, it's it's really fun that like mm. this all comes out of like, and you can kind of feel that energy behind it. That there's there's so much like theorizing, and there's so much knowledge mm -hmm. coming behind. I really, I really end up appreciating movies. I think more when that's the case. Like even with. Um, like Columbus is an example of that of in more recent times, mm -hmm. recent times of Koganata being like, you know, making like video essays on like Brisson and Ozu and all these people for a living. And he has a graduate's degree in film, et cetera. And then he comes to like, okay, well now I'm going to use sort of, sort of my opinions on, on film theory and what makes a good film and, and mm -hmm. what I'm use, learning from other directors and just honing all of that into my first movie just to make it specifically exactly the thing that I want film to be. And mm. this feels very mm. similar to that. Um, I, except the influences are obviously different, you know, uh, yeah. Truffaut mm. isn't coming at it with like, I want to do, yeah, I want to do Ozu and Brisson or obviously, but he's, he's doing, I mean, it, a lot of the people, it seemed like he was, he was into like, yeah, obviously like, Renoir was in there and, you know, one very Wells. strong figure. Who was just sort of, you know, with Bazin being like, I guess more a, a critic. I don't think he was. Yeah, a no. So he, he's coming like, also more from yeah. Like, yeah, this is his first actual film. Yeah, mm -hmm. that he, which I really appreciate, like film theorists mm -hmm. making movies and making them based off of that stuff. I never so like them. <laughs> I prefer experimental video artists coming mm. into making movies who are like the mad scientists as opposed to like the actual chemists who just sure. come in with this manic gonzo energy and just try shit. And sometimes it works and sometimes it is unwatchable. But I, the, uh, the thoughtfulness and everything behind this, like the amount of craft that went into this is, is something that just removed me even more because mm. I couldn't connect to the story, but I, I could like see like a bunch of different elements of the craft that were, were mm. happening there. Mm -hmm. Like I really loved a lot of the uh, extreme wide shots and yeah. I, I wish it had a bit more. I, I kind of wish this was a bit more of like a, a slow, like 
slowly people walking melancholically through spaces for way too long movie it 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 moves a bit too fast Mm. (laughs) uh because i love those like uh extreme wide shots that they have right where you just like see him walking through the environments i'm like oh yeah and then it cuts and then like moves back into like a story but it's not like a, a structured See, that's for me, that's what makes it work. And it's, it's I mean, obviously, it's very French, anyway, it, but it reminded me of a bit of a, some of the some of the aspects of it kind of felt like Italian neorealism, but like deconstructed a mm. little bit. It definitely reminded me of something like Rome Open City, mm. but but more dynamic in its movement and, and more yeah. free. But it's I mean, that's this is exactly what we'll, I mean, we'll get to it. That's why I have that on here, because I want to be able to compare these two movies selfishly. Yeah. Uh, but that's what Francis Ha has. I mean, it's it's a movie that that kind of uh-huh. that flits. It's it centers around it centers around a life, a person, and there's there's loose narrative. There's there's themes. There's you know good dialogue. There's but there's there's lots of montages and you mm. know elements t- periods in it that are just kind of aesthetic and and there and just contribute to your your overall feeling of the story. But it's not something that's just heavily structured, um, which. I don't know why that works so much better for me. It I vibe with it better. I like those movies better. And when I and I think that's, I'm starting to feel like maybe that's where I'm kind of hitting some of the more American films that we're covering here mm. and not enjoying them as much. Is like I even put this like I probably had a better time watching the 400 Blows than 12 Angry Men. 12 Angry Men is a better movie, but it's not a vibe. <laughs> like I I can I just don't fall know. into Grand Illusion or even something like like Tokyo <sighs> Story. I can just fall into what's happening there or the Seventh Seal, and I don't need it to be structured in a very okay. I think they both you know aggressive way. They both fall into cate- the category of great movies, but I don't think that ranking like great movies that are doing completely it's different nearly things impossible <laughs> like, to rank these films. You don't they should they shouldn't. Be. That's yeah. that's not the. The, the point is not to like figure out what the best movie ever made is it's because cinema is not there is no singular cinema cinema is a plurality right it is a it's collection like, it would, i mean really people people rank movies but like they don't rank books because why i mean no the great american novel it applies to like 50 different books it, yeah it doesn't you know it that's how that's how this works uh, it, it's a medium um, but yeah, because it, we couldn't rank it really, truly, because if we did, um, then we'd all have to agree that it's Tokyo Story and everybody would be mad. Uh, or you, you know, some, some of us would not be super happy with that, it. but it's, obje- it, but it's, you know, it's objective fact. Great movie. I, perfect. A, Best. Another one that. A vibe. Ah, uh, it's a bit. You get into it and it's saying something. I guess that's also where I come at it a little bit more is that what I enjoy doing with things that I like, mm. um, is is thinking about them and explicating them, investing more and more time into them, watching them more and more, being able to to talk about them and speak on them and write about them and even use some of the small amounts of film criticism and and critique that I'm capable mm-hmm. of doing to contribute to that, which is why I like Kurosawa so much. There's so much in there that I can dig into. I can write a thesis on it. This is the, that's the kind of thing that yeah. I like, and I feel like you're more able to do that with something that is exploring an idea rather than delivering a plot yes yes but also i think this is has a bit too much plot for me and <laughs> not in i mean i that it's a it's it's my problem i realize that <laughs> i have a problem with french new wave films it provides specifically for me just enough, godard <laughs> like just enough to have something to sink your teeth into 
Um, but but enough freedom in the way that it's done that you can explore the way that it's done as well as just what it's saying. Well, and that's I love moments in this movie. Like I really love the the movie has one wipe cut. It's a natural mm-hmm. wipe as a as the boy who's like uh, following them and like snitching on them, uh, like walks across uh, from like screen left to screen right. There's an, a a natural wipe that follows him, and you're like it's it's singular and every time there is a wipe in a movie it makes me happy because pretentious you love mo- <laughs> it, i i i like the wipes in kurosawa attack of the clones should be your favorite movie <laughs> well that's yeah. the thing though that's the thing that the wipe as a transitional cut is uh you know a passage of time it is a, a change of location it is a big movement but also it is inherently silly and inherently I know. cinematic it's so good and and I so the wipe. it takes a bit of like the wind out of like a bit of the pretense out of any film when you include a wipe that that is my thesis mm. uh some films you know if you overuse them uh i I, I don't think you can really overuse wipes, but like when you use a lot of wipes, you get something like Star Wars, which is really pulpy and fun, and it carries that energy through it. Mm. And like uh, Bunraku from like last year, uh, big pretentious movie <laughs> that a bunch of people. Which one? Uh, background. Sorry. Oh, okay. Background, yes. not Bunraku. That's another thing no uh Baccarat, uh which a bunch of people uh rated really highly on letterbox i'm like oh this is this is a bit stuffy looking and no it's like a throwback to exploitation movies and almost half of the edits uh, of the transitions are wipes oh yeah and you're like no this is where i live wipes that's the way you um, do it yeah if i made anything i would have to i'd have to transition every single like scene with with wipes there's no there's no other way i would i would try wiping for every just shot change <laughs> and, it, and it would just just like deconstruct uh, everything and everything would feel so off and weird well so that's that's the that's what i wind up making in my spare time i i, I do things like make a star of david wipe <laughs> right yeah and put that in a thing Ooh. and have that be amusing to only me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but th- it, there are just... Okay, so another moment in this is when they just decide to go out to the carnival, they ditch school. Mm-hmm. They have a transition where they uh, do a whip pan down from like the top of the building and then they cut to a whip pan across the street and it's just like a whip pan cutting to a whip pan. And it's like... Oh, I, th- in 40 years, we're going to have Edgar Wright be- movies starting to happen, you know? Like, that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's, it's just very satisfying. Again, I think it, it's pro- I, I think I take a lot more joy out of just somebody doing the thing that they... Like, doing something intentional. I think I take mm. probably more joy out of somebody doing something that's very obviously intentional than I do out of something accidentally being good. 
which mm. I think is maybe where we differ a little bit, mm. I guess. Because yeah, some stuff, seeing stuff like that and seeing some of the elements of experimentation in Truffaut mm. and being able to see that that's the artist doing that, it's probably why I'm, I'm okay. yeah. still into auteur theory. Like it's because I like being able to be like, what is this person doing? Well, and that's why I love Sidney Lumet so much because his philosophy was if you build the groundwork for a film and put like, make it so all of the actors are incredibly well rehearsed and comfortable and everyone knows exactly what they're doing. If you build a solid groundwork, you will be able to allow those moments of just spontaneity, like uncontrolled magic that people like Orson Welles and Sidney Lumet were like, you know, kind of obsessed with. Like those those perfect moments that just happen and you can't control them. That like chaos in the universe, you can't control them, but you can create si situations where you know they right where, where they are possible to like happen more yeah no and that's it's good like i i think orson wells kind of obviously nails that pretty pretty well i i yeah i mean he tried his last film the whole thing behind that at least from the documentary i saw was trying to make an entire movie of just those moments like trying to capture capture as many of those moments as possible mm -hmm. and just taking decades to try and do that it i mean it was good i i still need to get around to that yeah i as with so much cinema. there's there's so much to watch still did you read okay this is completely off topic did you notice that jacques demy is in this movie i didn't uh i think it was actually brought up on one of the commentary tracks. policeman oh Post. jacques demy he's another uh director oh he's uh i mean i would i'll i'll, I'll pass it off to aiden because aiden is more interested in Jacques to me than i am i mean he made good movies i the thing that i find most interesting about it is i didn't realize before why uh certain cinema movements have certain names and the french new wave uh one of the things that like the, it's called the French New Wave. A wave is because it was a collection of like interconnected filmmakers who all had like all knew each other or were connected to each other in various different ways. And through collectively, a collective like view of a new philosophy in cinema just kind of swept over French cinema from just this collection of various different filmmakers from all over the place mm -hmm. and that that connection that that movement there is the french new wave as, a, as opposed to just like new french cinema sure right uh, yeah and i mean he so so i guess i didn't i i'm sort of curious and i mean i guess he doesn't pop up in our in our 100 movies mm -hmm. list but jacques Demy like was clearly like he knew, you know, Godard and Truffaut and was interconnected mm. in this way. But he, I, I've never read anything from him, but like I've seen, you know, Truffaut's and Godard's stuff, mm. you know, everywhere. But, but Demi almost seems like a different, different character. But he did, um, the Umbrellas of, uh, Cherbourg and the Young Girls of. He made a Rockford. very different type of cinema. Mm -hmm. It's very, I mean, uh, Umbrellas of Schoenberg and, um, the young girls of Rockford are musicals, hmm. and they're they're colorful, they're choreographed, they're 
like the color and pop his movies are just so rich with color it is is as a big thing color and motion and uh just energy and fun hmm. sort of the vibe that you get there that's fun i i do want to i do want to try stuff you have that box set now don't you yeah i you know i Fancy the man. only way I can get myself to w- get into directors is spending way too much on Criterion DVDs and just like, see, I have made a financial commitment now. I have to watch it. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's great until you, uh, until you get something and you're like, oh, this really doesn't work for me. I really <laughs> wish I didn't spend like, oh, I know it's 50% off, <laughs> but, oh, but still that's so much. <laughs> just had that flash sale a little bit, huh? Oh, did yeah, they? Oh, yeah, just I'm like glad I didn't know about so it. Yeah, no, yeah. I was gonna, uh, you know, poke you a bit, and I'm like, yeah, I don't need <laughs> tofu baby to become like a tofu like bloke, blo- bloated like Criterion. broke mess, you know, yeah. filled with cinema like and empty of wallet. Ramen and Criterion. <laughs> yeah, no, I. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I didn't, I didn't buy any it. either. I kind of wanted to buy Squid and the Whale again every time. Did I buy? I think I did I buy that one. It. Yeah, you have that. Okay. I See, this is my problem. Okay. I want it. <laughs> you don't even have that many movies. You you don't. I feel like I do. You I feel have, like you do. I have more movies than you do. I have like yes. I have two hundred totally. plus DVDs. Oh, well, you definitely have more. Yeah. But I don't think you do. I totally do. I don't think so. I have like stacks and stacks. I, feel, I, know, I don't know. Not all Criterion all, DVDs. Well, I'm not you, do you have movies that are not on that one shelf in the basement? No. You have like one like long shelf. Yeah, you have but I one think that's shelf equal of to yours. I'm pretty... Okay, we can Doubt. We can compare later. We'll count. We'll inform <laughs> you of the results on <laughs> next totally, week's podcast. Totally matters. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna divert matter. us back to this film by, what? by reading uh, the drill review. Oh, heck yeah. I saw that My too. My being a shithead can be traced back to boy school when I was expelled for using the headmaster's computer to search eBay for lunch. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now now we're talking about the movie. We never actually summarized the plot, but I guess it doesn't matter at this yeah, point because we've already talked about it. Well, some some of us think that it's too plot heavy and some of us think it's, you know, it's, it's just right and... I don't. I don't know what you think, Hunter. But I don't know. I don't have much of an opinion on this movie. I. I, I don't feel very strongly either way. Were it's, you engaged by it? Yeah. Like it's. It's enough. Like I. I. I don't know. He's got something going on pretty much all the time to deal with, and it's just kind of shitty situations. And you're just like, wow, it sucks. Like he kind of makes problems for himself, but also like no one else around him is really like giving him a real chance if you like sometimes Mm -hmm. it sucks and obviously that's the point is that like the world is not nice to these children so like that's fine and like but i don't know i didn't like i wouldn't say that i like got something out of it i guess sure it was just it was Mm -hmm. good though like Mm -hmm. it was was Uh, i guess i kind (laughs) of like i got stuck into you know specifically the way that he acts with his parents and this idea of like, oh no, they're, you know, they're mad at me for this or this. I can't be, mm-hmm. I like, I can't go home. I have to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, sending the letter of like, oh, you know, we'll talk about this in, yeah. in the future. We'll have, you know, whatever, mm. all of these different things. Um, I think I definitely like, 
I, I feel like I can relate to some of that, I guess mm-hmm. at times. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know specifically. I can't, I can't pull up a specific memory of my childhood that, you know, relates, but, but also, but kind of the feeling of like, I've somehow, I, I've disappointed family members, yeah. my parents, whatever, and need to, to make it up to them. Kind of aware that like, this is, this is about their emotions rather than my mm. well being. I think just I think I think some of us have been raised in that situation yeah. and can kind of relate. But well, for those of us that haven't, it's sure. probably not as meaningful. I got some vibes from the whole relationship with his mother, who, which is entirely informed. She does not give one iota <laughs> of a shit about him until she she sees him yeah. walking away from the carnival while she's currently just snogging some like rando. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, "Okay, so I have to be friendly now, so that you don't uh, tell Daddy about this." Mm-hmm. And the, through the whole thing, the kid is like, just constantly like, I, "You're only acting nice out of obligation. Mm-hmm. This is only like, you, I you don't actually care about me. I'm paranoid about that all the time. So are things where you're like." Do they actually care about me or do they just feel like they have to care about me because they've invested so much? Is it just like the sunk cost fallacy of people? You know, you're like, oh yeah, no, I've known him for so long. And then, uh, well, I mean, I mean, he's kind of crap now, but you know, I'm like, <laughs> I, can't yeah, stop now. I think I, I think I worry about that too. And I, I mean, I think I've, I've had situations with, with parents maybe that have been ex- sort of similar to this kind of thing of like, okay, I can tell that the reason why you're interacting with me right now is because you want to be on my good side for something and not, Mm. not because you you care. It kind of of feels yeah, yeah, just like the adults trying to just be adults and like finagle the situations with children or at least just younger people. And then just not even trying to like deal with the fact that like the younger person can kind of see through what's happening and just Mm. be like, it's whatever. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. And I uh, mean, if anything, you can totally. Uh, sometimes with child performances, you you have to just have them spell out how they're feeling because you can't tell. This movie, uh, best child performances ever. Best Pretty child good. performances ever. Yeah. yeah. And I love like I looked this guy up, Jean Pierre Laud, uh, who you no know, good performance in this the best child performance i've ever seen yeah and like man the guy like a bit later in life when he like grew up mm-hmm. he, <laughs> man well he's kind of hot this was his <laughs> fil- first film role do you know how he got the part how did he get the part so the directing team just put out an advert in the paper for like anyone to come be a uh, be this we're looking for the star of a new film they gave no details and they got thousands of applicants from like all across Paris. And of course, Truffaut just went through and just eliminated a lot of them based off of like criteria, uh, like they don't look right and you know, a bunch of stuff. And they got to the kid who actually wound up playing the lead character and he didn't quite look right, but he had ditched school that day and gotten all the way across Paris by himself to appear <laughs> in the uh appear f- for the interview and he just had so much like that's awesome energy and moxie in him and they're like i mean you w- we were wanting kind of like a skinny raggly nothing of a kid you kind of have some muscle on you 
but you got this part. My goodness, you were just living it. It's interesting though because he does kind of look like Francois Truffaut to me. Like I think there's, I think there is some similarity. There's a bit there um, in their in their face, a, a bit in their nose. Um, mm. I don't know, but no, that's I think that's that's really funny because he he basically is that kid. Yeah. But he went on and he, you know, he appeared in multiple Truffaut films in the future when he was older. I was going to say Godard films. Yeah, I forgot I had taken a note on this, but I guess there are more movies with the same actor playing the same character. Yes, well, there's like, at least older. one one. One I saw more, there's right? like three or four. Are there's there like three a bunch or four? Them, yeah. I knew yeah. that there was Antoine and uh, Colette, but I didn't yeah. know that. The the note I saw, you said Antoine and Colette's Stolen Kisses, Bed and Board, and Love on the Run are all about Antoine. Interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that they, they kept it going. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to dig into those more. Um, yeah. Oh, but he's also in Irma Vep, which is a movie I really want to see. Yeah. Because uh, uh, it's got... Gotta love them vampire flicks. Mm-hmm. And it's got Maggie Chung in it, and she's amazing. No, that's on my watch list. Yeah, I, that one just got out of the Criterion, I think, right? So, uh, It's been, been on Criterion for uh last six months. Oh, wait, really? Interesting, okay. Unless there are two movies called Irma Vep. Probably not. Yeah. No, I, I didn't mean the channel, though. I mean, it's getting a release. Uh, oh, that's right, it is. It's getting a... Yeah, it's, it's getting the new new release. I'm very excited. Looks actually, real snazzy. Even though I, I don't know enough about it to to actually deserve to have an opinion on it. <laughs> I'm very excited still. You, you get that. You see a, you see a poster, you, you, you read a tagline, you have some background, and you're like, I think I'm going to love this movie. And then sometimes you do, and sometimes it is the worst thing you've ever seen. True. And, and, and you, you live with it. But they're coming out with a full collection of Wong Kar Wai movies, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna cry. How many uh, Wong Kar Wai movies have you actually seen? I've only seen In the Mood for Love, and I've watched it like so many times. True. And I've just been like, it's. Uh-huh. It, I'm almost paralyzed by how much I love that movie. <laughs> um, that's that's why I'm in the place that I am. So, yep. <sighs> I really, yeah. really, 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 really want to watch Happy Together and Fallen Angels in yeah. particular. They are on Criterion Channel right now. You don't I have to wait for the collection to come out. I know they are, but it's so pretty. It okay. is pretty. It's don't fine. be seduced. It's like a hundred dollars. It is. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't have any money. So. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, <laughs> do we have any more thoughts on this film, or are we ready to wrap up? Do you think? Uh. Only that uh, the Eiffel Towers in the beginning, mm-hmm. and a bunch of film historians thought that that was notable because Truffaut was a big fan of the Eiffel Tower, and he had a collection of a bunch of uh, little Eiffel Towers. He just had a collection of Eiffel Towers. <laughs> Truffaut is like my mom. <laughs> yeah, you know, he has that real like wine mom energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Paris. The Eiffel Tower, it's so good. My entire house growing up was is I guess it still is decked out in in paris paris finalia (laughs) you gotta have that romanticized like paris life in your head that you never follow through on because once you get there your life will be ruined (laughs) see my mom realizing she went there for her 40th i think and she she came back and she said you know i actually like the french countryside more (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, and so yeah so i think 
the aesthetic has gone a little bit more towards France and a little bit farther from Paris. But I mean, growing mm -hmm. up, like everything, all of the little like mirrors hanging on the wall, all the posters, all the like little figurines and things. There was Eiffel Towers. It was Paris. And yeah, yeah everything. Um, so. So. Uh, uh, well, uh, I guess I have one more thing. I have two more things. Okay, you go you, ahead. You should go first. Okay. Because I want to hear. My other saying. thing was. Uh, when we were, we were talking about you know Francis Ha kind okay, of going before, I wanted <laughs> um, to mention that the score from oh. George Delarue is incredible. It's amazing. It's magical. It's one of my favorite film scores, probably of all time. Now it makes its appearance in Francis Ha as well, and yeah. uh, it's very good. Yeah, and then I started thinking. I was like, as I was thinking about saying that just now, I was like, wait, Francis Ha is a movie inspired with you know stylistically inspired by French New Wave. She has France in her name. She goes to Paris in the movie. <laughs> uh -huh. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, just like that all just like hit me just now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean I I do think I might have liked this movie if Adam Driver was just <laughs> in it randomly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If Adam might have sold was it for me. Dad. <laughs> like oh, Mary Dad. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, well okay, that actually does kind of remind there's parts of that do rem, that, that relationship with the kid kind of do remind me of marriage story where it's like more about the parents interaction and and the kid is part of that and becomes kind of almost a pawn in the the, the parents argument and disagreement mm -hmm. whatever i mean which obviously that's just a, that's just a fact yeah. of life that's how it happens when your parents are yeah. you know not getting along well and or in a divorce or whatever you end up becoming a pawn um but at the same time it is it does kind of feel like in a weird way, if you were to do a double feature like the Criterion Channel likes to do, like with Marriage Story in this movie, it would be like seeing the same kind of dynamic almost playing out between like the parent perspective and the kid perspective. Mm -hmm. um, Indeed. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, but I mean, it does add some... Uh, There's some, some different details for sure. So, you know, I, I don't think that in Marriage Story, the kid was like sleeping in the hallway right outside the door because they don't have like any space in their apartment. Yeah. There's yeah. not that bit, but I, I mean, I, I do love the somewhere. shot in the movie where they like roll, uh, they're like rolling up a banner, but it's like, yeah. it takes up their entire <laughs> apartment. <laughs> you just see like the, the, the Z axis just extend yeah. all the way. And you're yeah. like, yep. <laughs> also when they go to the movies and they're having such a good, happy fun time yeah. man that i don't know that just felt like my childhood of like oh man you know there's this one moment where everything seems it's good true, and all the, yeah. oh shit okay well, i guess not yeah <laughs> yeah interesting. You know? apparently that movie uh that that moment where like uh the father like shows like th the mom's legs a bit and like <laughs> yeah. the gropes are a bit Creepy. awkwardly uh kind of Strew up a bit of controversy in the americans <laughs> oh yeah because okay uh, because we were still very much uh, in, you know, sort of code era. Back True. Here. Interesting. Yeah. And meanwhile, the French are doing what the French are doing, you know? You know what I mean? I don't know if that's actually really, if that's what culture in <laughs> France is like, or if that's just the American stereotype of what France is like because of movies. I don't know. Yeah. But I, yeah. they don't seem like they're they're quite as, uh, uh, what is the word, conservative well, uh, as far as like in, sexuality in goes, sexuality, yeah, yeah, they do have like you know just uh, billboards with uh, nudity on them, advertising like different um, like suntan lotions and stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. whereas American culture has really linked like nudity and sexuality, it isn't that much linked uh, in various different places outside of America. Right. Yeah. And like 
films like Amelie were released to general audiences where it has like a weird bit in Amelie where she like counts the number of orgasms currently happening in the city and there's like a yes. montage <laughs> uh-huh. and you're like for all ages nice. and you're like I guess yeah <laughs> I do like that movie quite a bit I want to rewatch that one it's a fun movie I saw, I was looking at the cast list, and I saw that the mom from 400 Blows is in Amelie, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Dang. I guess so. I did not you recognize get her, obviously, yeah. but that was, you know, there's her, those movies were filmed about, uh, I don't know, 40 <laughs> years apart or something. Yeah, a ways. So. <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. She but is. cinema is a flat circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm just going to agree with you. <laughs> I see. Okay. My only other note is about the title of the movie. Because I went looking and I was mm, like, yeah. why is it called that? And it turns out it's just because it's a literal translation of the French title. Le yeah, Le Coutre however you say it. But that's basically just a French idiom, apparently, that just mm. more or less means to raise hell, apparently. Yes. And so instead of getting the meaning across, they were just like, will just take the actual words and translate them even though those words mean nothing to English speaking audiences. Right. <laughs> As per usual. Yeah. yeah. Apparently the like original English translator was like tried to like change the name of the movie to Wild Oats, which <laughs> I think is a terrible name. And they were like, um, no, just keep it at four hundred blows. And I'm like Yeah. Wild Oats. Like, I don't I don't get it. Oh just <laughs> Ah, I'm imagining this movie being called that. Yeah, it's like, why was that a better idea? Like, I don't know. Because you're 400. sowing your wild oats, I, like all of those themes of like sexuality, <laughs> and like t- totally. Yeah, there's that whole talk he talks with the therapist at the end, and he, he like talk goes oh, into this yeah. whole thing about like <laughs> that's right, almost that seeing a prostitute. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, it was interesting. So apparently, Whoa. they originally shot that with uh, sh- like it was cross cutting between. Uh, him answering the questions and the therapist asking the questions. Huh. But in the editing, they just decided to cut out the therapist shots and just have like uh, dissolves uh, between each uh. of his segments hmm. and then have the therapist just talk over it, which was very uncommon. It's like basically hmm. YouTube jump cut editing. Like It works. Though. It, it does. really does, but it also, it it stands out because it's very... Not of that time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Especially with the whole, like, don't cut. Yeah. Cutting is True. lying. You should hold on shots True. for a long time, which I think, I mean, I might, if, if Michael Bay movies <laughs> or some of those, like, garbagey action movies now that just cut all the time did that less... Well, okay, but yeah. here's the thing is there's that, I mean, I don't know, people used to, in our friend group used to like show that one shot from Transformers 2 that goes for a really long time, like see Michael Bay can do oh, good shit, and uh, it's boring, I, I don't, it's, right. yeah. I still don't remember being like super impressed. Well, like sometimes okay. he does long shots and it doesn't make anything that he does good, yeah. I, I am. It's probably just because all of it is just based off of artifice and you want, don't want to see the truth of the moment. Yeah. 
that's that's my film theory take. You don't want to see the truth of Michael Bay's moment. You just want to see him lie because this truth is kind of sexist and, and also a bit troublesome. Yeah, very like weird nationalist, like military. Yeah. So yeah, cool isn't it? Just imagine blowing up. Like okay, and this is this gets ingrained in kids' heads who like watch this kind of thing so much. Like my brother when we were playing a weird. Uh, Soviet Union Cold War <laughs> board game that just has like this full map of like yeah. the world uh, and he, we said it was war. He's like, oh, I love war games. Yeah. And then he was like, uh, he's like, blow up everything here, just not America. And I was like, I was like, uh, wow, you already like within five seconds said something incredibly problematic. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I'd be just like, yeah, no, we should, we should vote. And he America. was like, okay, sorry, sorry. No, don't, <laughs> no. Not, and not this either. And he circled all of Europe and we were just like, huh. Okay, so now wow. you're just like super Euros. Like, this is not good mm. shit. And this is what you get, though. A living watch. testament to the sort of uh, when you cultural watch, values we have over yeah. here. Well, when you watch like a Michael Bay movie where like, you know, it's just all like, you know, Military. Really, really boring, wow. like Charlie Hunnam white dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the vibe. It's, it's like, ah. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to insult you, boy. Uh, I don't. He's in some good movies. He's so boring. Um, It's fine. I'm getting stared at aggressively. Um, Or like even, what was that one movie that came out more recently that had uh, Chris Hemsworth, but he's an American for some reason? Oh, the Netflix one? Yeah. Yeah. 12 Strong? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one too. I was thinking of the other one. Oh, yeah. What's the one that it's like just about him? Anyway, I guess there's a few Netflix, of them. Whatever. But just yeah, yeah let's, let's like get the, the let's get the white guy with with blue eyes and kind of short cropped blonde hair to like I don't know save save one kid in the Middle East and then the rest of the time he's just mowing down people of some other race in some yeah. other country and and wow look at he this is a, this is America oh, see yeah. we're protecting the innocent by killing most of sorry I don't need to go on this whole political rant but yeah, how this is he? this is how people perceive things yeah. Uh, and I can't even remember how that connects to what we were talking about before. But it cultural differences. Me. Cultural differences yeah. and stylistic differences in say, editing. I think we were talking about editing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know, that's my take but, on editing. <laughs> uh, I mean, everything is political. Everything, sure. every decision is impacted by an ideology mm-hmm. to some extent. And you know, maybe I just lesser. like the I- ideology of... Um, people in every other country making interesting movies that means probably because of a better and more interesting ideology that's my that's my hot take hot it's not okay it just it feels like it feels like Truffaut is making and this is so pretentious it feels like (laughs) Truffaut is making this movie for cinema rather than for audiences if that makes sense in America feels like the movie is made in the you know the the rigid studio system for people to watch and to make money and that is a central theme i don't even feel like it's we need very, to discuss the yeah. budget or how much money this movie made because it it doesn't matter yeah it's very american to make something with you know profit first art second yeah instead of the rest of the world which seems like they like to make well usually I yeah. guess. not always I guess. which is why someone like Orson Welles is also really cool because it's like whoa bro He's, he's making movies and he's like, I don't care if it did well or didn't mm-hmm. do well. This is for the art. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, obviously there's good stuff that comes out of both. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm, you know, <laughs> but I'm different. not as interested in Hitchcock. I'm not. 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I I haven't even heard our uh, rear window episode. Did you, did you all just rip on Hitchcock for like? No, no, I mean I ripped on Hitchcock, okay. but we also thought the movie was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can do both. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it's uh, I like that movie because it's the equivalent mm-hmm. of just like watching people <laughs> intently without them knowing that you're watching the movie, which mm-hmm. is you know. It's the most voyeuristic film ever made. It is, but like that's it's like also meta in a weird way. The, yeah, yeah. Maybe not. And then we're being way. voyeuristic about the voyeurism and how voyeuristic is voyeurism allowed love, to voyeurs? I just love watching people watch rear window. You know what I mean? I love watching people watch people watch rear window. <laughs> I yeah, I'm envisioning this like apartment complex, and it's just like I'm watching you with you're watching me with binoculars <laughs> watching hunter watch this movie snap suit to another person watching another person watching another person yeah. watching another person watching another person watching to rear window <laughs> can see the reflection of the reflection of the tv screen in his binoculars. hitchcock is crying tears of joy right now <laughs> wow yeah yeah that's that's the that's the goal um, I guess of that movie, but it doesn't matter. It's dumb. I don't care. Rear window. Psh, it got knocked out of my top ten by the four hundred blows. That's what wow. happened here. I can't believe you're ranking them. I, I can't we're believe ranking. you're ranking. Weird them. about it. We're, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to rank these, but it's we're whatever. both ranking them. It's really only to have the satisfaction of being like we watched a hundred movies. It gone with the wind is yeah. the worst one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, no, I feel that sometimes I'm like, I just need to contextualize for anyone who wants to know exactly how much I hate this movie. (laughs) Yes, right. Also, I just want people to like have to deal with the fact Tokyo Story, number one. It's becoming, I'm like, you know, I I, want to have this like weird posturing of I'm like some sort of marginalized person on this podcast because I like Tokyo Story. <laughs> Woe is me. I'm Come victimizing here. myself to also oh, congratulate yeah. myself on my, my, how brave I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, anyway, yeah. Uh, how do we feel about the movie? I mean, you, you gave it a three stars. Um, okay. Uh, you gave it a four. Kind of, yeah, it was like bouncing between like three and a half and a four, but I'm, I have it at four. But probably hitting like maybe bottom rungs of of the movies we've covered so far. It's kind of in the in middle. In the middle, yeah. It's a good it's movie middle. that I didn't like. That yeah. is yeah. that is I my mean, analysis. Like, I kind of have the same. It's like I think it's good. It's solid. It's it's pleasant enough. It's a good time. But it's like, is it anything particularly like notable or special for me personally? Not particularly. I mean, it does have that scene in the spinning room that kind of mimics a zoetrope, and you're like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of clever. I really liked that bit. That was cool. Because I've seen those spinny Highlight. things, but I've never seen somebody like on the wall. Like yeah. usually you're you're still kind of yeah. standing. Oh, those old timey ones that probably got shut down for health code violations. Yeah, that yeah. But horrifying. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, that looked fun. Yeah. yeah. Good shit. It's pretty cool. Well, you know, it's 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 no Citizen Kane. <laughs> um, but hey, it's also no Children of Paradise, which is to say that it's it's better than that. I like it more. Yes. Yeah. Agree. That's my final thought. You can't uh, compare them. Honestly, if I watch the 400 Blows again, what? I might become think a I else. might rate Children of Paradise oh. higher than the 400 Ooh. Blows myself. Interesting. Interesting. I, I got more... I liked it. I I was not as tired after watching mm-hmm. that 
almost three hour movie as I was after watching this hour and a half long movie. I really do like Children of Paradise though. Every time I look back at it, I'm like, you know what? It was long. It was weird, but it was also like operatic and majestic and epic yeah. and, and yeah. dramatic in all these cool ways that Gone with the Wind wasn't. So I, actually it, it was mentioned in one of the commentaries as like uh children of paradise was cinema's love letter to the theater and the 400 blows was cinema's love letter to itself <laughs> <laughs> yeah. interesting yeah no that's interesting ah uh, good shit i think french cinema is uh, is another valid form of cinema yes, yes. yeah controversial take but okay i wasn't gonna say it's the best because i don't feel like it <laughs> no you like japanese cinema way too much too. yeah i like japanese cinema a lot i really fucking love genre noir though yeah. mm. oh well yeah i feel like what we should do is like talk about our maybe we should uh talk about the best directors that we watched at the end of this whole segment i think we've got to do a few episodes of us like unpacking things <laughs> big you know up. yeah sure. anyway thanks for the asmr there uh, let's uh let's let's close out um as we say here oh, when we end the I thing and i for this i, totally I say forgot. as we say and, and then my phone's goes, about Whoa. to die so this might go nowhere so as we say when we say things at the end when Check i try out. to say that i'm saying things over and over again are you saying times, things are you saying things at the end of the podcast yeah until are, the uh, end when hunter gets to that point where he finally finds <gasps> a quote they put this up a nice him. one on an image for me sometimes i'd tell them the truth and they still wouldn't believe me so i prefer to lie i felt that all right it's a slap it's a snappy kind of quote wow, it's wow, a snappy wow, kind wow, of movie wow. Okay, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on movieoverloadpod.com. You can yeah. find all of our links to all of our things. Uh, shout out to our patron, our best Silas. boy, Silas. Silas. He, he wins. Um, he has a place in all of our hearts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Wahoo. We'll see you next week or right now or Something yesterday. Like